Hey everyone, it's James Bogdan, known professionally as the Notorious Banker, and welcome to my podcast. Celebrating 30,000 amazing followers on social media. I've got 22,200 on TikTok at Notorious Banker. 3,299, we'll get to that in a second, on Twitter. And 4,200 plus at Notorious Banker on Instagram. I am the author of High Risk Transaction, The Ryan Coogler Bank of America Incident. Now available on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback format. And soon to be author of a book about Zell coming very, very soon. Guys, thanks for the love and support. I really do appreciate it. Next podcast that I do, I'm going to talk a little bit more about my Ryan Coogler book since Wakanda Forever is coming out. It's the Black Panther sequel. It's the movie that Ryan Coogler was filming when he got arrested at Bank of America. So I'm looking forward to that. As I mentioned, 30,000 followers on social media, and I'm really proud of that. That's a lot of hard work. From the time I was fired from Bank of America on August 17, 2018, my judgment day, I have been thriving. Yeah, it's been hard at times. Money has been tight a couple of times, including a big gigantic pandemic in between. But the Notorious Banker is thriving with 30,000 loyal followers and thousands of listeners of this podcast and the millions upon millions of views of my videos on TikTok that I can tell you that I'm a very grateful person. And I think no matter where I'm at in social media, I think I'm going to be followed, which gets me to Twitter. Twitter is where I originated from. The Notorious Banker, formerly known as the Wire Bank Sucks podcast and project, um, basically originated from me being bored on Twitter four years ago. And instead of looking at college basketball and porn star news, I searched Bank of America and lo and behold, Every complaint that I ever had to deal with as an employee was there on Twitter and made, you know, 10 friends, then 50, then 100, then 500, then 1,000 to the point we're at about 3,300 now, a little under 3,300. And I like to say that we probably had, you know, 10,000 people give us a look-see in the four years. But a lot of people tell me that they don't follow my account for one very reason only, and it's just... They don't want to put themselves through the depression, the stress, the struggle of seeing these people go through these things that I discuss on this podcast and in my project. Whenever you see people getting ripped off by by someone and then the bank not helping them or the bank doing the ripping off, well, it's a bitter pill for a lot of people as well. So they're like, I love you, James. I just can't see this stuff because it's stressful and I get that. But it's amazing how a board night on Twitter actually became, hey... What's what's this? Bank of Wells Fargo, all this horrible stuff that's happening across the country. And it wasn't isolated incidents like I used to think that it was happening in my branch. Oh no, the same exact shit was happening all across the country and it just blew my mind. I gotta tell you, it blew my mind like no other. So of course, you know, we've been following the news and I'm not gonna talk about Elon in great detail here. Elon Musk, richest man in the world acquires Twitter for $44 billion, and the last three days has been a shit show. And to be honest with you, I haven't been on Twitter as much the last few days just because of the stress of, you know, the Elon loyalists just making life miserable since the Twitter acquisition. Just, you know, just rancid freaking posts. And there's a Bank of America element to Elon purchasing Twitter. They finance some of the debt and... I understand that they're one of the biggest banks in the world, but seeing them tied to um, Elon Musk just means that there's a lot of posts about Elon and Bank of America combined. 
and it makes it not fun for me to be on Twitter. I, I respect Elon Musk. He's made a shit ton of money. And I cannot say anything bad about someone who made themselves the richest person in the world about the finance side. But I just don't want to hear him talk. I don't want to hear 99.9% of this world talk. So if you're, if you're a, an Elon bro and you're defending, it's like, oh, of course, Mr. Banker, Mr. Fired Banker talking shit about Elon. Let him talk. I don't care. I'm fine. It's, it's America, freedom of speech and all that. Isn't that what you guys are talking about? I am perfectly fine with that. You guys can talk. That doesn't mean I want to listen. So it's been really hard to just navigate through the timeline and all the bullshit. And then, you know, Kyrie Irving, Kanye. All, and we did a podcast about Kanye, too. It's just been a lot. And with the election coming up in a few days, I'm just kind of checked out on seeing social media. Because it's just so vitriolic. And it just uh, stresses me out. <clears throat> but, of course, when Elon acquired Twitter, there's a lot of people who deactivated seemingly forever. So they say... Because they don't want any part of an Elon Musk Twitter. And that is reflected in my follower count. Now, there's people who lost thousands of followers. Bigger name people. I lost about 1.5% of my following in the last week. And I'm not shitting bricks over it. I understand those are the people who just... For the principle of the thing, they don't want to be a part of it. And I get that. In actuality, 3,300 followers. How many people actively just interact with you? probably less than five percent of that they're giving you a nominal follow because you do a good thing and that's what i do as the notorious banker so i i'm gonna wait it out and see i'm gonna kind of take it easy with social media until wednesday at the very earliest and just kind of go from there it's just really stressful to see all the negative shit and then with the bank bank of america element tied to it i just don't want to be a part of it you know but, you know, I wish Twitter success. I want it to be there because it's actually made yours truly a household name. And I'm really thankful and grateful for this platform. I've fucked up so many times on social media that this social media is finally being used for good and not for evil. And I'm really happy about that. couple of topics here really quick. Um, Washington Commanders hired Bank of America to help them explore a possible sale of the NFL franchise. The former Washington R-Skins um, basically said, hey, um, we're just going to kind of you know, dip our toe in the water, see what we can get for this franchise. And Bank of America is one of their primary banks. It is their primary bank. There was a whole story about a season ticket holder getting a bounce check from Bank of America and Washington commanders for their 50 50 drawing and now the bank of america securities which is basically the big hundreds of billions of dollars of investments arm of bank of america is going to be seeking out potential buyers which could include jeff bezos jay-z byron allen the um, entertainer among other people so bank of america has been doubly in the news on social media because of that um bank of america was one of the primary sponsors or let me just rephrase that. We only had five NFL debit cards at Bank of America when I was there. We had the Dallas Cowboys, Washington, R Words, Carolina Panthers, New England Patriots, and Miami Dolphins, I believe. And I know that because my old coworker had that debit card. Um, so we knew them to be affiliated with B of A just based on that. If you worked at B of A, you knew and you saw a couple people with those cards. 
then you saw the signage in their stadium and stuff, of course, so it's understandable. But I just find it interesting that B of A was so prominent in the news story here. Like, it doesn't say that commanders are exploring sale. You never really hear about the people who actually do the dirty work for that type of thing, which I found very interesting. And I really think it was just a way of painting B of A in a negative light um, and associated with Mr. Negative Light himself, Daniel Snyder, the owner of said football team. Um, but it's interesting to see where that's going to go. I don't know if there's going to actually be a sale or they're just trying to evaluate their options at that point. I'm not really sure. But I got to tell you, that's kind of made Twitter hard too. We got Elon and the Washington Commanders making the Notorious Banker's life a living hell on social media this week. Not to mention an election in four days. So a lot going on. Going to try to breeze through today's podcast because the wife is away and I am going to play rock band. I'm going to play some karaoke tonight. <clears throat> got to save the windpipes for that. Um, but there's not much in the news going on with um, any of the big banks this week. You know, holiday season, there's kind of just a, a lull with all that stuff. Um, but I did want to talk about one thing with the election coming up in a few days. I just want to talk about, I don't, I don't want to talk about inflation, okay? Because, you know, people say, oh, yeah, the price of eggs has gone up. Yes, the price of eggs have gone up. They're four ninety nine a dozen at my grocery store when they were one ninety nine not on sale and 74 cents on sale a few years ago so yeah shit like that has gone up it's very humbling although my grocery shopping is still amazing and one of these days i'll tell you why it's i I don't want to talk about that part of it because yes we're all feeling the pinch of inflation um the one thing that i do want to talk about is interest rates with credit cards and i think with the election coming up we're going to talk about you know Where's your money going and whatever. And I'm going to talk to you about interest rates and and how, honestly, if you are an effective credit card holder, if you bought your house a few years ago on a fixed rate, why all this talk really doesn't mean anything to you. And I, I want to get, um, I want to talk about the fear tactic in that because there is a lot of that. There's people I know who say, oh, interest rates on credit cards are through the roof and they don't know a fucking penny on their credit cards. They pay it off in full every month. So what the fuck are you crying about? I'm going to get into that a little bit deeper. I guess they pretty much summarize the first uh, segment in that little um, preview right there. But I, I want to talk about it some more because it just really pisses me off. And someone who does have credit card debt like myself, I could tell you that a 1% increase on my debt is really not a lot of money at the end of the day. It's literally less than the cost of your average dinner at Applebee's. And I'm not trying to be pro-interest rate hike. No, not at all. I'm just being a realist, okay? If if a bottle of water goes from $1.99 to $2.09, I'm not going to throw a fucking hissy fit. It's $0.10. Cents. If I can't handle $0.10, cents, then I, I probably can't handle a lot of other things. Anyway, we'll talk about that in the next segment. Then I'll talk to you about my book about Zell in the second segment and just what I'm going through right now. I'm just going through a little writer's block, and I went through that with the Kugler book. I really want to discuss with you why I'm going through that and why I'm not trying to rush it at the moment. But I do want to tell you that it is getting done, I promise you. But right after this brief promotional consideration, we're just going to talk about interest rates for a little bit. Please stick around. Hey everyone, it's James Baca, known professionally as the Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on TikTok. My TikTok channel is at Notorious Banker. Join the more than 20,000 amazing followers on my channel as I talk about bank topics and give you a little humor and information in the meantime. 
Um, being a 13-year former associate of a bank, I can tell you a lot of stories that happen, and I do tell you a lot of stories that are um, a little weird, a little bizarre, a little vulgar on that TikTok channel, and I also give you information about which banks to avoid. I talk about bank news of the day, and I interact with a lot of people, and I answer questions for my followers um, in the comments. It's something that I'm really proud of. We got over half a million likes on this channel already. And, you know, there's there's some videos that have gotten over a million views, and I'm really proud of that. It goes to show you that a lot of people love talking about banks. A lot of people love talking about their money, and a lot of people love talking about how crappy those banks can be. So follow my TikTok channel, at Notorious Banker, and join the more than 20,000 followers who already do. And have some fun with me, yours truly, the Notorious Banker. All right, everyone, I'm back with more Notorious Banker. And boy, I got to tell you, it is 50 degrees outside for the high today. I don't have the window open, but I don't need the air conditioning on. I am in sweatpants. It feels fresh in here. I love it. And I feel motivated doing this podcast. And probably I'm going to do a better job at it than before. Not that they suck, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> so I want to talk about interest rates for a second. So the Fed raised interest rates three quarters of a point the other day. I believe it was yesterday. All the days are a blur to me now. And that's the third time that 0.75% increase has happened this year. And there's been several rate hikes. You know, it's it's interesting how that's going. It's humbling. And I look at the mortgage rates in 2022 at this time. And I'm seeing 7% 30-year fixed rate mortgages. And then the first thing I think about is, whoa, what a, what a stunner. The, the same time that Bank of America offers to help inner city neighborhoods become first-time home buyers, it's at 7%, the highest it's been in a generation. It's the highest it's been since I've been an adult. Oh, you're so generous, Bank of America. I love you so much. But it, it's that part of it, and it's... Uh, while the people who buy right now, who are in first-time home buyer mode right now, I, and I and understand like buying now and not paying someone else for rent right now is beneficial. Like you're you're getting towards equity in your home right now. I just couldn't pull the trigger. I couldn't pull the trigger knowing that my mortgage payment would have been would be twice what it was six years ago. We got this house. It was seven hundred and ninety dollars a month principal and interest. You throw property taxes in there. You throw homeowners insurance. You know we get to about eight ninety. It's four forty five per me and per my wife, and it's a it's a bargain for this amazing house. I love this house. This is the most comfortable house I've ever lived in, and I'm so grateful and thankful that we jumped on it. Even though Bank of America made us homeless uh, for the better part of a week trying to get this house six years ago, and told that story a million times. <clears throat> but you see someone now who's talking, you know, they've saved up some money during the pandemic, or so Bank of America says. And, you know, they're willing to put their money down and say, hey, we're going to buy a house. You see those interest rates. And you and you got to understand one thing. The person that is in a branch, the person that was me, the person that was the version of me at Wells Fargo, they don't care about your long-term savings future aside from getting accounts opened or loans processed. They, they really don't. They're not looking out for your best interest. They're looking out for their best interest on a daily, if not hourly, basis. 
so you know everyone's a sweet talk you say oh yeah you know you better you better buy now because you're just paying you're throwing your money away when you're renting or whatever but you're throwing your money away if your banker did not have that conversation with you four years ago if your banker never had the conversation hey have you guys thought about buying a house now the rates they're at 2.875 percent and they're it's it's the time to do it now they haven't been this low. We're so lucky to have it. Lock that rate in. That way you have a cheap payment. You have money to buy furniture. You have money for vacations and whatnot. Did your did your banker have that conversation with you? I bet you the answer is no. I had that conversation often. It was part of my job, okay? It's part of my job to give these targeted offers and say, hey, you know, just to let you know, because you're such a great customer at the bank, we do have this offer that, you know, if it comes time to buy a house, we're going to give you $500 uh bonus you know closing cost discounts just for applying for a home loan and getting a home loan through us you plant that seed and you ask the questions it's like well you live at this address is there an apartment number unit number or something and you ask those questions not because you're stupid and you can't figure that out on the google you ask that question say oh no it's it's a standalone house oh oh so you rent this house no i i own it and you, you build these relationships through those questions that you ask. And those things are important. Those things build a real banking relationship, a relationship that big banks do not want you to have anymore. <clears throat> so you walk into a Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase branch right now and say, I want to buy a house. And the rate on the board is 7.125%. And that's based on the fact that you put 20% down on your home. Let's not Let's not forget about that, okay? You know, they tell you 20% down is kind of the standard. They can go as low as five. Some loans can go as low as three. Go as low as three. And, you know, the program, like, for the African-American communities can be zero down. Zero down on a $300,000 house at a 7.5% rate. Holy shit, dude. You you could have got that house for, like, a 1000 a month less than a few years ago. And then you're going to be, oh, the cost of rent and the cost, everything is going up. Eggs are going up. You know, the price of chicken is going up. Yeah, all that shit is. Fucking McRib and McDonald's is five ninety nine. It was two for $6 last year. I understand that. But don't blame that. Don't blame, oh my God, it's so expensive to buy a house in these days. Do not blame that on anyone but yourself and the relationship you have with your banker. This is me being as direct as possible, Okay. I don't go to Vegas anymore. Um, just you know, I kind of grew out of it. It just it brought out the bad side of me. I went last year for a wrestling event, but I had my fun. Thirty three chips is a lot of fun. I had a blast. I have stories that I can tell you, and some stories I don't want to tell you. But you you just get tired of it. But the one thing I never tire of is checking out the rates. I'll log in to my players club at the casino just to see what rate I get. Do I have any comps? If I have comps, am I going to get free play? Am I going to get free buffets or something? I want to know all that shit. I want to know those things. That way it makes me feel good. And that way I, I'm in the know. And then whenever prices go up, it's like, oh, the price went up $200 on April 24th. What's going on then? Oh, the NFL draft, right? And the UFC 254, whatever it is. Like, you, you put all those things and then these events, these tentpole events justify the cost increases. So yeah, so you you have those things. You have those moments where you check up on what's going on. I was checking up on Vegas hotel rates for the Formula One race next year. And holy shit, it's like $1,000 a night. 
tickets are five hundred dollars each. God damn, it's a lot of money. It's it makes me not want to go back ever again. It really does. So what am I getting at with my Vegas talk? Basically, what I'm saying is, <clears throat> if you're really wanting to buy a house, if your five year or ten year plan is to buy a house, dude, look at the rates now. If you're not ready now and you're gonna say in five years you're gonna be ready for it whenever you have a family and all that, look now and then you know look three weeks from now, then look a week from now, and then look a month from now. Always just check in. It takes ten seconds to check in. <clears throat> and and my thing is, and, and this is the frustrating thing, people don't do that. So they have something in their head that's planted saying, Oh yeah, no. My uncle he got a three point eight five percent rate and he's only paying six ninety a month and you saw his house, it's nice. So whenever they go apply for a home loan and they're like, well, you can get this same house about the same size, square footage, and all that. Yeah, it's about two and a half times more a month than what your uncle's paying. They're like, oh, this is ridiculous. The banks are just trying to make a buck. These realty companies are trying to make a buck. It's just the way it is, okay? It's just it's just life. Life happens that way. And the way that we just insanely look at gas prices, and I can't look anymore because I still got to pump gas. I'm not freaking out about 10 cents here or there anymore. But the way that we obsessively look at that, why can't we obsessively look for 10 seconds at the mortgage rates? And then if it goes down from 7.1 to 4.1 in the next year, it's not. But let's just say it did. Then you tell your husband, you know, like we have this money saved up now. We should lock in the rate now in case something crazy happens again. And then maybe if it's lower down the road, we could refinance later. The problem is the bar is way too high right now. It's way too high. So Wells Fargo is reducing staff in this mortgage division. Bank of America is doing the same. I guarantee you bankers at B of A still have a sales goal of at least one per quarter, which is fucking crazy. It's ridiculous. I guess there's one sucker out there per quarter, right? So, you know, the banks are saying, well, we, we kind of expect this to die down. But they're still going to push their bankers to be bankers and try to offer these things. But without the personal touch. Now, this is where I come in. And this is where I throw my weight around as a former banker, okay? I have these, I ask these questions. I got in good with these young 20, 21, 22-year-old college students. And they're about to get their degree. And they're excited. And I say, oh, you're moving to Houston? Dude, buy a house. Rent in Houston is so expensive. You know, what you want to do is, you know, just, just talk to someone. See what you can get based on what your pay is going to be. See what you could afford. I bet you can get yourself a nice little something in and and build equity young. I say I'm older than you. Don't don't do what I did. Do it now, and you'll you'll be better off for it. I promise. I got so many applications that way. I got so many looks as a banker that way because I cared. And developing those bonds is the most important thing. Whenever the interest rates go up like this, this is a sign where like a banker's not gonna go. Hey, you better get in now before it goes even higher. Like you're fucking threatening them or something. Say, look, I told you the rates were gonna go up. They did go up, and it sucks. So this is where we're at right now. I I'm not going anywhere. So what I want to do is just check up with you on every six months and see what the rate is, see where you guys are standing. Um, there's a podcaster who does wrestling podcasts. His name is Conrad Thompson, and I I, I love this podcast. I just got kind of tired of them after a while because I got kind of tired of wrestling too. And his commercial for his mortgage company says. It's never a no, it's just a not right now. And I really believe that. I really believe that if someone gets a no now, but they have things that they can fix to make it a yes later, then as a banker, you're you're supposed to help people with that. 
They're supposed to help people understand, hey, this is what's going to get you to where you need to be in a year or two. That's the noble banker for you. But it's it's not the case anymore because what's happening is people have this love-hate relationship with the interest rates going up saying, oh, now I have to pay even more. I've seen stories on the news about, oh, people should expect to pay more for their credit cards. Well, if you're good with your credit and you're good with keeping your balances low, a 1% or 2% increase should not, and I repeat, should not impact you. I can't tell you the funniest customer that I ever had at Bank of America was someone who came in. He fucking flung his card down like he was a blackjack dealer about to hit that ace of spades. He's like, this is bullshit. I want to cancel this fucking card. I'm like, okay, so yeah, I, I can help you with that. Um, there's there's a system that I have to access in order to close this out. So give me a minute. I'll give you a receipt. We'll get this done for you. So, you know, while I'm doing this, can I just ask what's going on with the card? Maybe there's something we can talk about, fix it. Oh, I got a letter saying my interest rate. It's been 5.99% for 20 years. I've had this card for 20 years, and you bastards are raising it to 10.99%. I'm not going to do a business, any business with a bank that's going to double the interest rate on it. Meanwhile, while I'm loading it up and loading up his card in the system, it says he owes $0.00. He paid $4,000 last month. I look at his statement, see all his bullshit transactions. I see he, owed, he spent $4,000 whatever dollars, and he paid $4,000 whatever dollars. He pays it in full every month. I say, well, you know, do you pay it in full every month? Yeah, I pay in full. I'm not going to give you guys any interest, especially now. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, that's fine. So it's just the fact that the interest rate gone up, despite the fact that your habits aren't changing. Yeah, like why don't why don't you keep it there? I'm a valued customer. I'm loyal. So why are you raising the rate for someone who cares about? So imagine that. Imagine that conversation. And this is where it gets stupid working at banking. This is why I have a second career on TikTok. For God's sakes, there's a man. There's many men. There's probably this probably happened fifty times at Bank of America who yelled at me threatening to close their card out in all their accounts because the credit card interest rate, even if it was introductory, even if we said when we opened the card, it's a 0% introductory rate for a year. After a year, that zero is going to go to whatever and targeted offer they had a specific number. So it could be 9, it could be 19. I said after a year, interest can accrue on the card. If you pay in full every month, you are not going to ever have to worry about paying us a penny. Oh, how do you make money? Banks make money through the swipes of your card. You swipe your card at the store, it gets chopped up. A percentage, an honorarium, a little fee goes to the bank with every time you use that card. That's why we encourage you to use it. Billions of these little swipes or touches, touch to pays every year equals billions of dollars for banks and credit card companies. That's what we do. Okay, it sounds good. But these people a year later come pissed off. I was like, this is ridiculous. I paid in four months. I'm never late. I'm a great customer. I have $400,000 in the bank. So why are you raising my interest rate? I, I don't know why they do it. I wasn't part of the credit card department. But at the same time, as I mentioned... These people get ass hurt whenever something just changes. You know, I, me and my wife have a way of joking around about this. And it happened with Dunkin', a.k.a. Dunkin' Donuts. I still call it Dunkin' Donuts. Last month when I got an email, it said, Exciting new changes about your Dunkin' account. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> we already knew that it was bad. 
Because anytime some PR bullshit spins, hey, great changes coming here, it screws the, the customer. The Duncan thing went from basically 12 visits to get a free coffee to 18 or something like that. It's a lot. You're spending more money to get little in return. And they don't have to give you anything. There's, there doesn't have to be a loyalty program. But whenever you nerf it like that, they're basically saying, man, we don't give a fuck about you. You need your coffee anyway, you junkie. You need your credit card anyway, you junkie. So why are you complaining about 5%? I understand why the man complains about it because he feels slighted. But at the same time, he pays his card off in full every month. He pays an extra $50 on principal to his home loan because he doesn't want to pay us any more than he can give us. So he's already built in his head a system, a process that says, you know what? I understand the game. I'm going to play the game my way and I'm going to win this fucking game. But yet this person still yells at a banker for the interest rate going up. It's crazy. It's insane. I know I fear, I sound very anti-customer in this podcast. And I'm not. I'm actually pro-customer. But it's a two-way street, okay? Bankers really need to double down on helping customers through these crazy times. Have these conversations. They're real-life conversations that even bankers have too. And at the same time, customers should listen and understand that 20 years ago is 20 years ago, 10 years ago is not 10 years ago. And why should a bank give you a $50,000 credit limit if you never use it and then they lower it to 2000 because you never spend more than $500 on the card and then you get mad for them lowering it? It's like, well, you're not using it anyway, so what does it matter? What does it matter? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it really doesn't. And And people should be upset about the interest rates going up I'm not going to talk about the inflation part of it, but yeah, it's a reality check. It's like, you know, you had a sweet deal for a long time and now interest rates going up a little bit. The minimum credit card payment for one of my cards went from 198 to 239. And basically, I I calculated with every 1% increase on the interest rate, I'm paying and I and I figured out the 1% relative to how much debt that I have. And I was like, Essentially, it's about twenty to twenty-two dollars a month more. That sucks. It's 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 more money. I am giving three hundred dollars more to banks every year because of these interest rate hikes. But also, it's based on the fact that I had credit card debt from the time I was at B of A to the time I got fired. I got myself in a bad spot with credit cards, and you know what? I regret the shit out of it. I really do. But lesson learned. And guess who's never going to make that that mistake again in his 50s and 60s? Yours truly. So, you know, you see these things happening. And I see them happening. I see my minimum payments go up. And I have to kind of adjust what my budget in my head is. And I figure, well, do I go out to eat more or less than before? No, I don't. And if I go just one time less... That's $20, and that's the money that is now part of my expense because of the high interest rates on my, debit, on my debt. So, you know, you, you have these moments, okay, and it sucks. I understand that. I get that. But I look at it as a challenge. I'm like, okay, we're well aware now that every time I make these minimum payments, they're not hitting as hard as they used to. So now I'm telling myself, do not ever let yourself get in that position, James. Sometimes you have to understand how shitty something is by actually feeling it and then changing your mind about, hey, what should I do to make sure this never happens again? And I'm there already. I just need the capital. I need the money to pay these suckers off and I'll be home free.
But you got to understand that, you know, these rates are going to continue to go up. You know, B of A estimated they're going to go up 11 times in the next year. And while I'm a little bit more bearish on that assessment, the fact of the matter is it's gone up five or six times this year. And it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm feeling it too. I think people buying automobiles, people buying homes, they're going to feel it more in the short term because it, it almost makes no sense to finance a huge amount of money with almost a double-digit percentage interest rate for homes or cars. It's just ridiculous. You're just throwing money away. And these high interest rates may lead to a 40-year mortgage being commonplace, may lead to a 50-year mortgage becoming commonplace. And imagine that, a 50-year mortgage. God, fucking shoot me now. Holy shit, that would be horrible. But to be aware and cognizant of these things, it should mitigate any stress that you may have. As I mentioned earlier with the gas prices, yeah, the gas went up two cents from the same time yesterday morning at the same gas station. I'm not going, oh, this is ridiculous, this is bullshit. I have 18-gallon tanks, that's 36 cents. I'm 36 cents more than yesterday? You guys are fucking nickel and diamond me, it's ridiculous. I pump gas once every three weeks, that's what, 17 times a year? 36 cents times 17? You guys have stolen $5 from me, this is bullshit, this is ridiculous. I'm getting to yell a little bit louder now because my wife isn't here. Dude, literally, if the gas went up two cents and it stayed that way for a year, and you have uh, an 18-gallon tank, 17.5-gallon tank like me, that's literally how much money you're going to lose. I mean, who cares? Who cares? Like, it's, I understand, like, $5 now invested can be $1,000, 50 years, whatever. That's fine, I understand that, I get that. But all the things that we waste money on, whether it's gambling, whether it's eating out, like I said, whether it's, you know, requesting a late checkout at a Vegas casino, which is fucking $50, it's ridiculous. You have all these little things that just add up, and you're like, God, this sucks. God, this is horrible. And you get mad at those things. But you got to keep in mind that a generation ago, maybe two generations ago, for some of you young people who listen to this, people buying homes were paying 12, 14%. It's a ridiculous amount of money. And there's some people, and I always tell them, I told my wife this the other day, and I've said this before on the podcast. I was like, it blows my mind that my mom and my dad, who bought a house before they got divorced, would be paid off of that home three years ago. Dude, my parents have been divorced for 30 years. And literally, they had 25 years left on the mortgage. Plus, it just seems like forever ago. But that's how long a mortgage is. You know, me and my wife are in year seven. And it seems like we've been together forever. We've got another 23 years before we pay this fucker off. And it sucks. It's it's humbling. It really is. It really is. But... I could only imagine if I made that same decision now, well, of course, it'd be 30 years from now for the time that we'd pay it off. But the fact of the matter is, an extra eight, $900 a month times 360 months, fuzzy math, that's $300,000 more. It's, it's a lot. It's humbling and it's real life. So I, I do this segment not to not to preach to you not to give you a talking to like your daddy should have. It's just basically look at everything. Look at yourself. See what's where you're bleeding from and put a stop to it. 
Because, you know, if the interest rates go up another 4% and then the bare minimum for a credit card is 19.99% all the way to 33%, well, guess who's going to be up Shit's Creek? Yours truly, because I have a lot of credit card debt. But I am I looking forward to the end something? No. But am I aware of it? Absolutely. I think about it every day. It's keeping me up at night sometimes. And I want to make that right. That way I can live a better rest of my life. Have kids and have more things that I want to buy, spend money on and whatnot. So, you know, on election time on Tuesday here, vote for who you're going to vote for. I'm not in the position to endorse candidates or tell you why this person's good or why this person sucks or whatever. That whole thing about are you better off now than you were four years ago thing, one of our presidents said, I believe it was Ronald Reagan who said that about Jimmy Carter. You you know, and like I said, no endorsement of Reagan, but it's a good point. The whole point of bankers trying to get you in to a branch to, to talk about your finances, talk about your future, it's one part looking for sales. Yes, absolutely. There are some fucking predators out there who just only give a shit about sales. But consequently, secondarily, the good bankers, like I said, I like to include myself as one of them, are basically saying, are you talking about your money? Do you have plans in six months, a year? Do you have expenses? What's changed? You know, like, yes, I'm your banker, and I'm here to open accounts and whatnot. But at the same time, if you have any questions, that's why they hired me. They hired me to be a financial expert, and that's what I am. Have those conversations. Have those conversations about your debt, especially now as it pertains to buying a home or car, and especially revolving credit card debt. That's the thing that is just going to be crippling to a lot of people. I've seen people who owe $45,000 on credit cards, and they pay $400 a month, and that fucker doesn't move. Now they're going to have to pay $600 a month, and then their credit card's not going to move. This is the reality of life. But, you know, they went through this inflation shit in the 80s, there was always a lot of doubt. Dot-com bubble burst, 2008 economic crisis. These things come and go. And my thing is, the people who got burned on those things, you know, the crash of 29, you talk about people jumping off of skyscrapers and Rose Dawson's um, estranged fiancé, Cal, from the movie Titanic, put a bull in his brain during the great stock market crash of 29. Yeah, it's a fictional character, I understand, but... The reason why these things happen, and we talk about it, like people are depressed. I had a customer kill himself because he was mounting just thousands of debt. And I, you know, I have a story about him that I want to tell you one of these days. It's just heartwarming. But the debt, you know, fucked with him, and he killed himself whenever interest rates are at its lowest for loans and auto loans and credit cards and whatnot. Just imagine now. It's a mental health crisis that's built into an economic one. So you're not doing your due diligence. You know how they tell kids, brush three times a day or whatever. Check your money once a day. Check where you're at. If you're wanting to buy a house, check the mortgage rates. If you want to buy a car, check the rates there. Whenever it says 0% for 36 months on approved credit, blah, 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 whatever, Nissan. Pause that fucking commercial. Read the fine print. See that it doesn't apply to you and go in with an expectation of this is what I want to pay. This is what the percentage should be. And if you can't make that happen, see you later. We're, we're anticipating people to help us along the way, and people really don't. People really don't. So help yourself. Do not vote in this election 
if you're voting on how shitty and how expensive things are. Like, I'm not going to vote for this person because eggs are $5 now. That has nothing to do with one one another. In, in the grand scheme of things, the Kevin Bacon game, the, you know, the spider that wiggled inside her, who swallowed the cat to catch the dog, whatever, all that bullshit. All, all that, you can tie everything together, okay? But be realistic, okay? If you had $25,000 in credit card debt two years ago, and you have $25,000 in credit card debt now, it's not the interest rate that's causing that. Because even if it was at 0% and you're making minimum payments, you'd probably use your card unless you cut them up and burn them like some of my customers did. Don't lie. If you're bitching about interest rates and you're going to pay down your debt, and even if you're at zero and then it goes up and you're still complaining about your debt, you're complaining about your debt. You're not complaining about the interest. So take a look in the mirror when it comes to stuff like that and make your decisions on Tuesday based on other factors, not on your own personal factor. Do I want inflation to rise? No. Do I want interest rates to go higher? No. But at the same time, if I owed zero and the interest rate on my credit card was 39%, guess who won't fucking use his credit card? Yours truly, the notorious banker. So I just wanted to share that. I think it's a conversation that's not a real conversation that people have and it's frustrating as hell. And I really think more people should have it because it's a practical conversation. Because you could talk about, oh, look at what so-and-so is doing with our economy. Now the economy is doing that to the economy. What are you doing with your personal economy that's making all this news around us impact you that much more? I'm not here to preach. I'm here to love, guys. You guys are an amazing audience. And the people who are listening to me the first time, I thank you for that. And this advice that I give is just based on 22 years of adulthood, 22 years of having to fend for myself, figuring it out on the fly, succeeding um, some of the time, failing most of the time, but still wanting to play the game. And I'm going to play it even if the interest rate's 30%. I'm just not going to like it. And it's going to make me strategize and change the way I play my game. That way I can be more efficient down the road with it. If you definitely want me to go on a deep dive more about these things and how they impact you, find me on TikTok at Notorious Banker, at Bank Better Guy on Twitter, at Notorious Banker on Instagram, or you can email me at the Notorious Banker at gmail.com or my voicemail line 575-322-4127. I want to hear from you about these things because it's important. We're at 30 minutes in this segment right now, so I'm going to wrap it up. After we get back, I'm going to wrap it up with some news about my Zell book, so please stick around. Hey everyone, it's James Baca, known professionally as The Notorious Banker, inviting you to go to my website, thenotoriousbanker.com. Okay, it's not a real website, it's just a domain name that forwards to a link tree, but on that link tree, you're going to see all of my links to all of my social media content on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. You're going to find links to the books that I have written on Amazon, and of course, you're going to find this podcast as well, and any other additional content that I may decide to do in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. But that domain name is going to stay the same, my friends, because I paid for it for a few years. That's www.thenotoriousbanker, all one word, .com. All right, guys, I want to wrap it up really quick with an announcement about my Zell book. It is still in production. Said I was going to be done by November. We are still about 85% done. And it's not, you know, like, oh, I'm afraid to talk about Zell. I'm afraid what's going to happen, the repercussions. No, fuck that. 
I don't care if there's any repercussions. You can sue me for millions of dollars, big banks. I can give a shit less, okay? I don't have anything, so try go ahead and sue me and get um, absolute zero from me. But um, I just have writer's block right now, and I know how to articulate. I know how to elaborate when I'm writing these books and talking about what I want to talk about. But I'm running into this issue where part of it's my fault, it's lack of sleep. It's just, just exhaustion. There's a lot going on. I put on a few pounds, too. Haven't gone to the gym as much lately. I feel a lot more lethargic and a lot more 40 years old um, right now than I did last year. Just trying to reevaluate my routines and making sure that when I write, I'm writing the best thing that I can do. I wrote that Kugler book in 10 days, and God, I tell you, like I was just a man on a mission with that book. and It was important to me to get that done because it's still topical for a long time. The Zal thing is going to be evergreen. It's always going to be bullshit until it goes away. So I'm not worried about timing with this. I'm just worried about... There are times when I write, it just feels like I'm falling asleep and I'm just zoning out. And I can still write in that condition. I just feel like the words coming out are just foggy. And sometimes I'll I'll double check my grammar and stuff um, whenever I'm just analyzing my chapters. And I'm not like making punctuation mistakes or grammar like spelling mistakes it's just long run-on sentences and just taking the scenic route to get to the point i just want to be better better than that better better at that for you so my wife is gone for the next two days and she's going to dc for another three or four next week i'm gonna try really hard to just push to get this shit done put it out there and start talking about it. If Twitter's going to be the way that it is now, if my social media transition fully to TikTok is going to be the way that it is now, well, I think that's going to be important to get done. That way I can have something out there, and I really want to push this. I want to discuss this. I am the Zal expert. There are some people out there that claim to be Zal experts and say, oh, you know, if you get ripped off with Zell, please notify your bank immediately. Like, what kind of fucking advice is that? Yeah, you know, if someone tries to kill you, go directly to the police. Son of a bitch, man. You say you're you're an expert. You're you're a crime expert. God damn. God bless our educators. <laughs> I'm a Zell expert because I've seen both sides of it. I've seen how the criminals rip people off. I see victims, how they get ripped off. I see three sides, actually. It's a triangle. And as a former banker, I know the hurdles you have to get through just to talk to someone. Just to talk to someone about what's going on with your account. Even in good times, but imagine with fraudulent times. This should be my legacy. And I want to talk about this thing that I care about. And you can look at my Twitter. You can look at my previous podcasts. I've talked about this shit so much since 2019. When I first saw Zell in 2017, I knew it was bad news. And I know that it needs to go or at least be revamped like a son of a bitch into a new format. Big banks aren't doing it because they're trying to protect their bottom line. They're trying to protect their way of investing in the future to kind of cock block the credit card companies out of money. So I'm going to make it my mission to make Zell my bitch and to make sure that this book makes Zell my bitch. Maybe I should just call the book that. But I know a couple of you were asking what's going on with the book. I want to buy it. I want to check it out. Especially you Zell fraud victims that listen to um, this podcast. And there's one gentleman 
in Michigan, who I helped three and a half years ago get money back from a Zell fraud thing. He's the first person I ever helped like that um, with Bank of America when I wasn't an employee. And he got $3,000 back. And I got to tell you, it was the most liberating, empowering thing in the world. And it showed me one thing, that I'm better than these fucking people that work at banks. I'm better than these people because I care. I'm better than these people because I listened. I'm better than these people because I see that it's going on in more than just one location. James Baca, known professionally as the notorious banker and Zell expert, has a book that he is almost done with. So bear with me, um, just these little delays right now. I want to get back on track because 2023 is my 40th year on this earth and I want to celebrate it with a bang. With this book, potentially a Jeopardy appearance and God knows what else is going to be dealt with me, dealt to me in my life, but I'm just looking forward to it. I'm going to wrap it up today uh, with this podcast. Once again, my name is James Baca, known professionally as the Notorious Banker. Thanking you for listening to this. We'll be back in a few days or as breaking news warrants. I want to make sure to talk about the Wakanda book. I may do a special podcast about the Ryan Coogler Bank of America book coming up in a few days. Just reliving that half a year later as the latest Coogler movie comes out. I'm excited about this. You should be excited about it too. Thank you so very much for listening to this. Check me out on Twitter uh, while it's still semi-normal at BankBetterGuy at Notorious Banker on TikTok and on Instagram. Check those things out. Buy my book. The link to it is in all of my bios. I really appreciate it. Let's give them hell. Let's give big banks hell. And let's fight back. Once again, my name is James Baca, known professionally as a Notorious Banker, signing off. I'll talk to you very soon, and you have a great day.